Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit as you hover over the church, you hover over your people, you shelter us with your wings, that you breathe life upon us. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you would breathe uh, your life-giving breath upon this message, that it would purpose what you sent it out for, that it would not return void, that it would elevate and challenge us to new levels with you, and it would strengthen us and encourage us, and if need be, uh, if there's correction, Lord, that it would correct us. And we just ask, Lord, that you would be glorified in your saints, and that your, your, the seed of your word would bear good fruit in our hearts, in our lives. In the name of Jesus, the name above all names we pray, amen. 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 Well, recently I've been um, preaching about um, he who has ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church or what the Lord is saying to us. And there is a great and a vast difference between hearing and understanding. You know, and hearing, you know, we, Jesus would say, he who has ears, hear. And we all, everybody in this church has a couple of ears, a pair of ears sitting on the sides of their head. And yet, how many times do we hear something, but we didn't really understand what we heard? You know, there's a, there's a vast difference between hearing and understanding. And, you know, a lot of times we hear or we look at these stories or we read these stories or we even hear a sermon about something that's so familiar to us and we go, oh, I heard that already. And we kind of shut off. You know, I do it myself. A lot of times when you're reading the Bible and you go, oh, I know this story. I know this story. But the thing that's amazing about the Word of God is the amount of levels of depth that you can get from the Word of God if you have a heart to hear, if you have ears to hear, if you take the time, you know, to just not, well, I did my three chapters today or whatever, and just breeze through it, but you actually stop to consider what you're reading and the truth that you're reading. That when we read this, this isn't a made-up story. This is truth. This really happened. And it happens. You know, we see it even within our church. We see the reality of God's Word put into application. We see the things that are possible when we have faith to believe. You know, there's nothing impossible with God. If we have faith to believe. You know, I love that story about the father whose son was uh, tormented uh, by a... It was moonstruck, or some people say, oh, it's epilepsy, but he was like possessed or was having a problem. And Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. And the father in his desperation says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. So he even takes our fragile faith or, um, you know, just that, that little fragment of our faith and he can work with that if we believe what he says. Amen. That's that's an amazing thing, and what God can do with a little is it's great. It's an amazing thing. So I want to read this story, and actually, this is in the Gospel of Mark. It's in chapter six. It's right after what I preached on last week, and it was John, the, you know, Jesus receiving word that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded, 
And he was talking about how great John the Baptist was. In fact, nobody uh, born amongst women is greater than John the Baptist. And Jesus said, you know, his disciples came and spoke to him and brought Jesus a message that said, John is wondering if you really are the Messiah or is somebody else coming that we should be looking for. And Jesus said, and he gave the thing that says, the deaf hear, the blind see, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And you know, just like Linda, what you said, been there where this didn't turn out the way I expected. Where were you at? It seems like you were a little late or you were sleeping on the job or something because we have a limited perspective. God forgive us for that, but I'm just being honest here. Anybody ever felt that way? Like, man, come on. This, this shouldn't have turned out like this. You know, I'm trying to serve you, Lord. What's going on here? And the Lord says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Because not everything is going to be as smooth as what we think. But yet we are steadfast to the end because Jesus has the words of eternal life. We've seen too much to quit. And he ha holds us in the grip of his grace. Praise God for that. You know, I, I was, you know, would hear that poem or you, we have all seen that little uh, picture of the footprints on the sand. And uh, the, the, the saying goes that, you know, I had a dream that I was walking on the beach and I noticed that there was... You know, there was two footprints on the sand, and through the difficult part, there was just one track of footprints through the sand, and it, it seems like when we go through those difficult times in our lives, that we're carrying the weight on our own. It's like, I'm the only one, where is God? I don't see him, I don't sense him around right now, but the reality of it is, he's the one who carried us through those times, because we would have quit. You know, we're, we're pretty fragile in our faith, we're fragile in our commitment, but God is committed to us. And we are his children, and we're the sheep of his pasture. Thank God that he's that committed to us. That he would, uh, we're coming up on the um, time of Christ's resurrection, a crucifixion and resurrection. We're, you know, in a few more weeks. And these are, you know, things that are leading up to that. That the, the stage has been set. People had certain expectations, what they expected from Christ. Would, we're going to hail him as the king. He's going to allow himself to be hailed as king. We're expecting the throne of David to be restored. And next thing you know, they're screaming from the top of their lungs, crucify him. Is this the way that it was supposed to turn out? Something went wrong here. God's ways are not our ways at times. you know, And we have to have faith. We have to believe and trust steadfast to the end. That's who we are in Christ. So I'm going to read this story. This is in the Gospel of Mark, and in fact, uh, chapter 6, it's in all four Gospel accounts, so apparently it's an important story. And this is about feeding the 5,000. And um, let's start with verse 30. It says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him things both that they had done and they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. Can you imagine that? That Jesus has caused such a stir. And people had so much needs. There was demons being cast out. There was people who were being healed of afflictions. And this whole press of people is just coming around, constantly around Jesus, to the point where Jesus and his disciples didn't even have a chance to eat. 
It was such a, such a press of ministry. And so he tells his disciples, let's go aside to ourselves in a deserted place and let's have a retreat. Let's kind of just uh, pull back from these crowds. But the people wouldn't have it. So Jesus and his disciples are going to go on the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee or the Tiberias. And they were just going to rest in a deserted place. And the story goes on. Um, in verse 32, so they departed to a deserted place by a boat, uh, in the boat by themselves, but the multitude saw and departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities they arrived before them and came together to him. So I was listening to somebody expound on this a little bit, and they said they're, they're in a boat, and they're crossing across Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee, and he says probably on the North Shore, there's this mass of people probably watching the boat as they're walking. <laughs> and they're walking along the edge of the Galilee and meet him right there. We're trying to get away from this, and here this mass of people is just waiting for him on the other side. <laughs> Verse 34, it says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw the multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. That gives you an idea of the heart of Jesus. He's tired. His disciples are tired. We, have, we don't even have a chance to eat. And yet this massive crowd, it's like a, a, like a herd of sheep just walking, no shepherd. Oh, oh, he's coming. And they meet him over there, and his heart is moved. He, he's, he looks at that and he goes, man, this is poor thing. And he, he got, I got to do something for them, right? And he says, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Can you imagine this massive crowd? And, you know, we're going to get into the numbers here in a bit, but I'll jump ahead. They said there was 5,000 men. So if you have 5,000 men, there's a good chance you would have 5,000 women or close to that, right? And if you had 5,000 men and 5,000 women, you might have double that amount or a little, maybe even three kids per couple or whatever. So you're talking upwards of possibly 25,000 people. 20, you ever saw a crowd of 25,000 people? That's a lot of people. I always make the, you know, one of the, where I kind of know that there was a number, when we went to the Promise Keepers meeting on Oahu, there was 10,000 men there in the Blaisdell. And they were very efficient about feeding these men. They, uh, some of you guys were there, you know what I'm talking about. They says, okay, we're going to have lunch now. And they had everybody march out of the Blaisdell, march around to the back of the building, and they had pallets of box lunches over there. And you filed past, and they gave you a lunch, and gave you a lunch, and they fed 10,000 people that quickly. That was still a major undertaking, pallets of food to feed 10,000. 25,000 in the middle of the wilderness. Can you imagine that, feeding this? It's pretty amazing. Verse 37, and he answered, and he said to them, you give them something to eat. Can you imagine being there at that point? You give them, and he already knew what he was going to do, but he's challenging his disciples. Have your, has your faith progressed to this level yet? You guys been out there, you've been casting out devils, you've been healing the sick. And you look at 25,000 people, send them away, Lord, so they don't faint on the way. Send them into the surrounding villages. There's, there's food out there. And then Jesus tells you, you give them something to eat. 
What? You talking to us? You talking to us at our level of faith here? You give them something to eat? And he said to them, Shall we go and buy 2,000 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? 2,000 denarii, they said it was about a eight months wages. Eight months wages. And then he said, But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. That's almost ridiculous to even mention that when you think about that. We got... We got a happy meal over here. We got a couple of fish and a, and a couple of loaves. And it wasn't even really loaves. They said they were more like crackers or biscuits. It was kind of like the kind of stuff that you'd stick in your pocket. The thing that I find more amazingly, out of 25,000 people, that's all that they could come up with. <laughs> Didn't, wasn't anybody thinking? You know, we were walking alongside. The, we're going we're gonna to head him off. I better grab something to eat. It might get hungry on the way. That's it? That's all you got? Two fish and five little biscuits or whatever that was. Verse 39, he commanded them to make them all sit down in the groups on the green grass. So they all sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And he had taken the five loaves and the two fish. And he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before them the two fish he divided amongst them all. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and, and of the fish and those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. I can't even imagine how this would have worked. You know, he grabs the, the bread, he holds it up, and he says, Father God, thank you for providing your Jehovah Jireh, you provide for all our needs, breaks it, gives it to his disciples, and then he takes, what, the other one, and keeps, and, and where is this stuff coming from? That it's just constantly there, he's handing it out, and handing it, or he gives it to them, and they break it, and then it, it multiplies, and multiplies, and they go out, and they feed this multitude of upwards of 25,000 people. I heard... Somebody preach on this, and there's things to consider here. That this was a creative miracle. That Jesus Christ was creating food on the spot. This was bread that was never planted, the seeds of the grains that were never planted. This came down from heaven, this food. Did it taste different? It was probably the best fish they ever ate before because this wasn't fish that was caught in the sea over there that spawned in this and that. This was fish that was created on the scene from heaven. It came down from heaven. Can you imagine the, 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 the taste of this fish? You know why I even you question that? Is remember his first miracle in Cana that he produced wine from water? And everybody was like, I love how they do it on The Chosen, how they showed that scene. That was really cool. Put everybody outside, has those six huge basins full, 30 gallons each. It goes in there, prays over it. And then you're, the tension in that, because the master of the feast is like, man, we're out of wine. This is an embarrassment. It's like local local party. Don't run out of food. It's embarrassing. Don't run out of wine over here. And This is a wedding. And they scoop out a cup. It says, take it to the master of the feast. And everybody must have been shaking at that point. Well, what is this? A joke? He goes in there and drinks the wine. He goes, stop the wedding. This is the best wine I ever tasted. This is an amazing thing that most people wait till everybody's kind of drunk at a wedding or they've drunk well. And then you bring out the inferior. But this 
wedding celebration has waited to this hour to bring out the very best. And can you imagine, so if that be the case with the wine, can you imagine these fish and these loaves? What it would have tasted like? It says when they were in the wilderness and God produced manna for them, little seeds, it says, all right, you go out every day and you go collect this stuff in the morning. It said it looked like frost. It was on the, on the tips of the plants. And you go out there with a little basket and you pick this stuff up. And it looks like a coriander seed. I don't know what a coriander seed is. But it said it had a taste like wafers made with honey and oil. And it says that man, in another portion of scripture, it says man actually ate angel's food. I don't know if that's where we got the angel's food cake thing from. But it says it t- man actually got to eat angel's food. That's what manna was. So that's cool that we know that angels eat. Because I'm looking forward to eating in heaven. Amen. <laughs> and it sounds like it's going to be some good stuff. And so... These people, it says that when they ate, there's, there's other theories with this. They said, oh, the point of this story was that when one child came out and he says, um, who, who has any food here? He says, well, I got two fish and I got five loaves over here. And then people saw that and says, oh, look at that kid. He's willing to share his lunch. And everybody was else had food stashed in their clothes. Well, I got this and I got that. And, you know, no, that's not what happened. That's all they had. And Jesus did a creative miracle in front of up to 25,000 people. You can't fake something like this. This happened. This is making something out of nothing. Is he the same God now that he was back then? He's the same God. You ever had a story where God created something out of nothing? I remember one time we were waiting on some money and our house was in jeopardy and um, the sheriff came to serve us papers to say, you don't own this house anymore and you need to vacate. And I was like, oh well, we were being still and know that God was God and we were trusting in the Lord and we were following him on on this quest and he was providing a miraculous intervention here and there. But I go, well, maybe we heard wrong somewhere along there. Maybe we took a left turn where we should have took a right turn. And all of a sudden in the mail comes this check that it's a dividend check. And I go, whoa, this is awesome. How much money was it? It was, it was a minor check. It was like $300, $200 or something from a, as a dividend check. And my dad had passed away and we liquidated his whole estate. And everything that was in his Dean Witter account was gone. We knew. We, my, I was a trustee. My sister in New Zealand was a co-trustee. And we knew that the, the account was liquidated. There's nothing left here. And all of a sudden this check shows up in the mail. And when you got nothing... A $200 check split four ways with my sister. That's a lot of money. It's like, whoa, we got money here. And come to find out it was a dividend check. So he called up Dean Witter and says, where did this check come from? He goes, it's a dividend. So there's an account attached to this? Yeah, there's an account attached to this. Well, check out the account. Make sure, what is it? Come to find out there was $40,000 in an account that nobody knew anything about something from nothing. I remember, even Patrice didn't remember this story, reiterated it recently, but I remember my sister saying to me, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I get the check. So I told the, the, told the um, guy, Dean Winter, well, liquidate that account, make it into four equal checks. And I remember handing Terry, my sister, a check. Here's your $10,000. Here's your $10,000. Here's your $10,000. 
$40,000 materialized out of nothing. I didn't even know this account exists. And it brought us right up to speed with our mortgage on our house at that moment. Hallelujah. I mean, it was amazing that God can produce nothing, I mean, something from nothing. That if we have faith, He's able to do miraculous things if we allow Him into our life. Amen? They took up 12 baskets full of fragments, enough to feed the disciples, the 12 of them. Now those who had eaten loaves were about 5,000. It says that these guys, like they went up to the trough and they gorged themselves because this fish and these loaves were so good that they ate as much as they could possibly. It says, oh man, I'm so full that there's 12 baskets of leftovers from this crowd. Something from nothing. Now this is where it gets interesting, even though, I mean, that is an interesting story. You know, the word that you see over and over in the Gospel of Mark is the word immediately. Immediately. It's action. It's moving. Things are happening immediately. If you want to read an action-packed Gospel, read the Gospel of Mark. It happens quickly. A lot of stuff is happening, but that word, you'll see it over and over and over immediately. So right after this, in verse 45, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of Bethsaida. And when he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Jesus spent a lot of time in solitude in prayer. And he's the only begotten son of the Father. Lord, help us to desire to pray more. It's a discipline. You know, it's something that we need to exercise. Help us all to be more people of prayer. Amen. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining, rowing, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. I find that so funny. It's uh, Fort Watch is around 3 o'clock to 6 a.m. So 3 o'clock in the morning, and the wind is blasting, and these guys are rowing, and they're like, oh, we did about four miles, but we're nowhere near our destination. The wind is contrary to them, pushing them back. And all of a sudden, you know, Jesus just comes walking along the sea, <laughs> and would have passed them by. I can't even, that just, like, what is going, it's like the story after his resurrection. He was walking down the road, and these guys are all bummed out. Oh, we really thought that Jesus was the Messiah. <sighs> we're so bummed. All the disciples were, were, were kind of really disappointed. They thought he was going to bring the kingdom right now. And Jesus comes alongside them and he starts telling them about the things, the prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. And he just, and then they said, well, it's getting late. Uh, let's turn in over here at this inn. And Jesus, acting as if he would have continued to walk, I don't know where he was going at that hour, but he's just, well, just cruising. Come in, come eat with us. And they brought him into the inn with them. And it says that it was time to eat. So he, once he broke bread, their eyes were opened up and they realized it was the Messiah. They realized it was the resurrected Christ. And they go, wow, didn't our heart burn with us when we were on the road when he was speaking to us? That was him. And he disappeared from their sight in his glorified body. He was there, he ate, and he was gone. But he acted as if he was going to continue on, you know. Jesus does some strange things. He's walking on the 
walking on the water here, verse 49. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. What would you do if you were at 3 o'clock in the morning and you see somebody cruising on the water like that? It's a ghost! They're all screaming, ah! That would freak you out, man. Yeah, especially... (laughs) Jesus, help! Oh, what? (laughs) For they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know how many times in the Bible that the Lord says that? In some radical situation, it's, it's I. Don't be afraid. I heard that it's at least 360 times one for every day of the week or 365. Be of good cheer or do not be afraid. That's what I've never searched that out personally, but I've heard that more than once where they said that there's a do not be afraid for every day of the week if you can find it in the Bible. Amen. I mean, there's times where we, you know, Maui just shared, I, we all have our stories. We were just petrified. You know, what are we going to do now? I mean, I, things are going along all right. And I kind of knew uh, this is my comfort zone, but I'm way outside of my comfort zone now. And your brain is spinning and you don't know what to do. It's like you're over revving. But we have to bring ourselves to that place. And you have to bring yourself to that place that says, Lord, you are still Lord. You know what's going on. This is not, this is not a, uh, something that caught you off guard. You knew this. I ask right now for your peace to come upon me. I ask you, Lord, for your presence to come upon me. You're greater than this. You have a plan through this. You're going to bring us through this. And we have to grab onto that. And it's easy to say now when you're not in it. But when you're in the middle of it, we got to remember this kind of stuff. We got to remember these kind of stories. We got to grasp on that. Because when you're all shook up, are we going to make that faith choice? Or are we going to get frantic? You know, it's just like last week we were talking about the time where our, our property over there was in jeopardy with this flood. Man, that was, we just wrote, drove out to Steve's place and uh, out in, on a Kapakula Road, there's that real horseshoe turn beyond my, where we live on East Kuyaha. Man, the water coming down there was horrendous, man. It just tore that place up. I don't think that stream ever uh, flowed like that before. But right there next to the stream was a house that used to exist. There's nothing there. It just cleaned that thing out, man. It scoured that whole gulch. It's just rocks just laid bare in dirt. And just you look at the water level and you're like, "How, how is that water even going that high? But it happened. And when we were leaving our house that day, and thank you guys for your prayers. But before Gretchen and I left our house, they said, In the name of Jesus, we command this water that it will not go beyond this point. And when we came home, the debris line was exactly on that point, right on the top of the grass. And it didn't go over the grass where it would have went under our house and compromised or washed our stuff that's underneath the house away. It stopped right where we said, because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Verse 51. Then he went up to the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed, and themselves beyond measure, measure and marveled, for they had not understand, understood, understood about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. That's something to meditate on right there. 
He was expecting them. I just did this. I just did this mighty miracle of multiplying the bread and the loaves. I told you I was going to go pray. I told you to go on this side. And you guys are freaking out now. Don't you just remember what we just did a, a little while ago? A day, just, I told you to get in the boat and go on the other side. And you know, we can look at these stories and say, what's wrong with these people? But do you consider our own life where God's watching it? What's wrong with my, with, with my, my disciple down there? You know, there's things, you know, I've said this before. And, I, and, and when God delivers you from a situation, he does a tremendous thing in your life. You have a tendency to say, that's it. I have all the faith and that's, I'll never doubt the Lord again. Until the sun gets eclipsed by a cloud. And another storm comes in. And it's different. This storm is different. This is a different storm than the last time that we went through. God, this has different circumstances to it. You know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden that doubt creeps in. It's like, what, what, did I do something wrong? What, what happened here? What's, what's, how's it going to turn out? And God wants us to hold on to the faith. Remember the deliverance that he did back here. Because I have deliverance, I mean, I have a plan, and I have a good outcome for this down the road. But right now, the clouds are out, and the rain is pounding, right? We have to be consistent. Let's turn the page here, or in my Bible anyway. Look at um, chapter 8 in Mark. This, this kind of just trips me out, I got to say. But I, I, I try to examine my own life in this one. It says in verse, uh, chapter 8, it says, In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now come, continue with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their houses, they will faint on their way. For some of them have come from afar. So once again, we see the compassion of Jesus, concerned about the needs of these people. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the world? What? Didn't... This is chapter 6. This is chapter 8. What are we doing here, man? Right? I mean, this, I mean, this is recorded in all four Gospels. There's a point here that he wants us to have about the Lord's provision, the Lord's faithfulness, our fickleness, our lack of vision, our short-term memory. There's all these things at play here. Verse 4, his disciples answered him and says, Can I satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And then he asked him, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and broke them. And gave them to his disciples and set before them. And set before the multitude. And also had a few small fish. Having blessed them, he said and set them before them. So they ate and were filled and took up seven large baskets of leftovers and fragments. Now, when they had eaten, there were about 4,000, and he had set them away. Immediately he got into a boat with his disciples, and he came to the region of Dalmatia. Del, um, Del, sorry. 
The Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking a sign from him from heaven, but he sighed deeply in his spirit, saying, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. He goes on. And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They reasoned amongst themselves, saying, It is because we didn't bring bread, or we have no bread. And Jesus, being aware of it, said, what do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened, having eyes that you do not see, having ears that you do not hear, that you do not remember? When I broke the five loaves and the five thousand and many baskets and fragments, how, did we take, how many did we take up? And he said to him, twelve. And also he broke the seven and the four thousand, and how many large baskets of fragments did we did you take up? And they said, seven. And so he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Can you relate to that in any way? That we question God as we progress through life? That I think that we think that we understand something. We think that we have ears to hear. We think that we have eyes to see. But do we really perceive what God wants us to perceive? That's the point of this. And it says that their hearts were hardened. Or their, their hearts were, were dull. Their hearing was dull. And the good news about this, this is Jesus' disciples. They were there with him 24-7. Saw him do, raise the dead, do this, all kind of miracles. And yet this is who they were. So we give ourselves grace. And we say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help us through those times where the clouds come over and we choose. But these stories, it says that all the stories within the Bible have a reason. They're there for a reason. And even though I trip out with that, that he just got through feeding 25,000 and here we got a lesser crowd over here. And these guys have no clue. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's like, did I pick the right guys? And yet they turned the world upside down once they got it. Amen? Just a little bit of faith, a little bit of mustard seed faith. How is it that we don't understand? If God says it, He means it. If we have faith to apply it and put it into action in our hearts and say, Lord, I don't see how this is going to turn out, but you know what? You brought me this far. You brought me this far. You ain't going to leave me halfway. You know, there's a lot of situations out there right now that look like it's halfway. Or, I, man, I'm looking out on the horizon and they keep saying, you know, oh, the, the economy is going to collapse or this is going to happen or that's going to happen. But we have faith in Jesus Christ, the rock of salvation, the rock that's firm, that if everything else goes down the tubes, we're clinging to the rock. Amen. That's the point of this right here. That's the point of this. Don't fear. Don't fear. Have faith. Amen? These stories prove it. Our life stories prove it. Our testimonies prove it. Here, that He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Lay hold of that. Cling to that. Like an opihi, just hanapa, and the waves hit it, and it clings even harder. Right? Right, Maui? 
Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Let's pray.